Hello listeners and welcome back to the TFA Scouted Podcast. I'm your host Adam Scully and in this podcast we take a look at players and coaches that we believe have very bright futures in the game. In the last episode we looked at Orby Salzburg's highly rated Danish playmaker Moritz Kiergo who is being linked to some of Europe's biggest clubs including Internazionale, Milan and Roma. This week we have picked out one of the star defenders from the most recent FIFA World Cup and a defender who came from the esteemed Independiente del Valle Academy alongside Chelsea and Arsenal target Moises Caicedo. If you haven't guessed it by now, that player is none other than Bayer Leverkusen and Ecuador centre-back Piero Hincapié, who is making a big name for himself in Germany, working under one of the best midfielders of the last 20 years, Xabi Alonso. Hincapié has already been included in a recent podcast as one of our bright sparks to watch out for in 2023, having been closely linked with a move to English Titans Tottenham Hotspur. It would be a miss if we didn't dedicate an entire episode of the TFA Scouted podcast to the 21-year-old, and so today we will do just that. Analyzing his style of play, his strengths, weaknesses, and potential clubs where Hincapier could move in the future. Before we begin, though, please make sure to rate the podcast five stars, hopefully. It's greatly appreciated and helps to grow the podcast and to get more and more excellent guests on and to get more and more ears on the podcast, too. So now, without further ado, let's get into our analysis of the central defender by first speaking to my co-host and TFA recruitment analyst, Bryant Marquez. Brian, welcome back to the TFA Scouted podcast. How have you been? Hello, Adam. I'm good. I'm really good. And I'm very happy to be again here and to talk about this special, really special player. But I'm really happy to be here. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, Hincapié was, or Hincapié, sorry, was a, a a player that I wrote about for the TFA Twenty Three for Twenty Three magazine, which was published two months ago only. Seems like a lot longer ago, but yeah, it was only two months ago. We actually included him in the podcast we did shortly after, where we looked at five players and coaches to keep an eye out for over the course of twenty twenty three. Hincapié has been linked with a move to Tottenham Hotspur in the Premier League already. He had a really, really good World Cup. Unfortunately, Ecuador bowed out of the group phase, but they were still pretty decent in the um, in that group phase. They were quite unlucky too. I mean, that game against the Netherlands, they should have came away with three points, which would have seen them progress, but there's no point trying to rewrite history. They were knocked out. He played really well, and and, and he's playing exceptionally as well for Bayer Leverkusen to a certain extent, although they are struggling as a club. Brian, what stood out for you? the most from watching Incapier in action. What kind of, for the listeners that haven't watched Incapier maybe before, give us a background on his style of play. Yeah, I've been watching Incapier since he was a tallerist at Argentina. And he's just this product that Independiente del Valle have wanted to create throughout the years, mm-hmm. you know? Even and, and especially in this position, at the central back position, they want these kind of players to be so progressive and so good on the ball and so proactive, proactive as well and aggressive to defend. They want to be as modern as they can. And the way they develop in Capier is something to really, really, really be proud of themselves because he's a really good player. I mean, in Capier, in both phases of the game, stood out for me like really really stood out for me in a big way because he's so good playing with his left left foot 
we could see we can see that even in the in the national team and to play in a World Cup like he did. I was really surprised at the World Cup because he's a player to really he's a really good player with things to get better on. We will talk about that later. Yeah. But the way he played he played at the World Cup, so confident, so brave, and he knew he was playing a World Cup. You know, some players mm really just played at the World Cup, but they, they're so nervous and so stressed that they don't, really don't know they're playing at World Cup. So he was really good. And at Bayer Leverkusen, he has been used in this left-back, left-center-back left role. You know, that he's the left-back who just drops into the, the a back three and all that. And he he's really good at it. And I really, really love the way he managed the ball and the possession of his teams. He's always trying to be progressive. You know, when the ball just arrives to his feet, he really, really just wants to look forward and find a player in the half spaces, I don't know, or a diagonal ball into space or a long ball to the, to the striker. This kind of long passing, this long executions from Incapié are one of the things I really love from him because he's so good at it. Really so, so good at it. And I don't know if if you said the same of him on the ball, but he's really one of the, for me, one of the best centre-backs at the Bundesliga with the ball. Mm -hmm. He's really, really positive the way he, and and he's so quick to think what the, what's the best option to pass the ball, you know? And at Ecuador, for example, in the national team, they are always looking to progress through the flanks with Estupinian or through the half spaces with, I don't know, Plata, Ibarra, with this kind of players who plays as inverted wingers. And he's the man who's always, always making this progressive and through passes for his team. And at Bayer Leverkusen, you can see that as well. And when you have players receiving up front like Diaby or it's kind of really, really yeah. good to have these kind of connections, you know, with the first pass from Incapié to this kind of really dangerous player receiving and turning in the whole spaces or on the flanks, on the center, every channel of the pitch. If he can connect with a really dangerous player and their teammates are really, really threatening players in the last year, you have a solution that many people want but not all people have in their squad mm -hmm. independiente del valle have produced some excellent excellent players in recent years obviously the most notable to come out of that academy is moises caicedo who tried to force a move in january to i believe arsenal although i don't think the club was named i believe it was arsenal i know chelsea were linked with him too but who haven't they been linked with david an excellent setup there in, in Ecuador. And of course, there was, there was other players too. We recently just wrote about one of their players that have came out of Independiente de Valle's Academy. He's now playing at Club, Club Brugge. Bruges? I think I've said that incorrectly. Maybe the second one was, was more correct. He came out of their academy. He's now playing with their NXT side. He's an excellent young player. And Incapié is, of course, just another excellent player they've produced from their academy. And in terms of his passing ability, that can only improve playing under one of the best passers yeah. from 
Yeah. I suppose I was going to say just this generation that makes me seem quite old. He's, of course, retired now and he's a manager himself. Obviously, Xabi Alonso, he was one of the best passers, I would say, from the, since the turn of the century, anyway. I mean, you saw we could do at Liverpool, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, which is a wonderful deep line playmaker. And of course, it's a slightly different position, but he still would have dropped into those kind of spaces. So he would know yeah. how to progress a ball from those areas. And playing under Alonso can only, only help him. Let's talk about his defensive abilities then. From watching his games and, of course, writing the report for Total Football Analysis in the magazine recently, he's really aggressive. Yeah. And sometimes that can be a bad thing, and we'll get onto that later, but he is really aggressive, which is is quite a, a decent attribute to have as well at times. He gets very tight to his man. He's yeah. ready to jump. If the player receives it, his back turned the goal, he knows when to drop off. Then if the player turns and faces forward, he knows not really the best time to step forward then because you're facing the player and he can just slip in behind you. What I did notice, though, was is that his reading of the game was excellent. There were so many times where he'd be running back towards his own goal because a player received the ball between the lines and turned facing the goal. And, of course, in that situation, the natural instinct from a defender is to turn and face your own goal. He, did, he does that really well, and obviously he's quite fast too, which helps, but there was also the added nose that he was constantly scanning the player who had the yeah. ball. So he was able to read the line of pass, so as he was running back towards goal, he was also aware of where the ball carrier was and where that pass was going, so there were so many times when that player would then play the ball in behind to a runner, and he'd cut it out even though he's yeah. running back towards his own goal. And that's such a good characteristic to have because a lot of times defenders will backtrack towards their own goal, obviously running towards facing that goal. That ball slipped in behind them then. They're not really aware of the line of pass so they can't position their body in a manner to cut out that pass. For you, what kind of, um, I suppose, defensive abilities does Incapier have that really stood out for you? Yeah, this is the thing of this being of awareness and scanning that you said is the thing that stood out for me the most because at that age you you're not that aware and you're not that concentrated even and specifically especially in this kind of attacks where you have to run back you know his body posture was so good in his in, in the way he runs yeah. back and timing well the run of the Op the opposition player and the way he just scans back scans in front scans to his side mm. and even if he doesn't have if he doesn't if he's not on the correct space like to intercept the pass and all that he can adjust his posture and positioning running back so that's really really amazing I mean, his match against... I, I remember his match against Atletico de Madrid, for example, at the yes, Champions League. that was one I analysed. Well, a, 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 one of the games I analysed for the scout report against Atletico Madrid, and it was one yeah. of his... He was so good in yeah. this kind of things, like cutting passes, anticipating the decisions, adjusting his positioning. His body posture was so good. And then we have a really aggressive player going out like jumping off his line. He's so aggressive. And even more, if he plays at a back three, you know, he has the license to go out more than playing in a back four. So he just jumps and jumps and jumps and goes out really, really constantly. Mm -hmm. 
to look for the ball, defend tight to his marker and all that. This could be a bad thing as well. And we were going to talk about yeah. that. But the way he does, the interpretation of his game, the reading of his, the game is really good. He knows when to come back, when to support, when to do the coverings and when to jump off. And in the term of aerial duels and all that, I like him, but I think he's kind of irregular. Mm -hmm. And I think he's kind of irregular because he's so aggressive, like going out. I saw him like really, um, I don't know, like in this kind of aggressive jumps trying to block a pass. He was so proactive as, as, as well to block a long ball. And in some of the jumps to get the ball in the air, he missed them. And that kind of aggressivity didn't help him and didn't help him in, in the way to this look is something, for long this, balls. This is something I highlighted as well in the scout report. And we'll we'll get onto this side. We'll get into his weaknesses. But just before we do, I want to discuss some other attributes that of his game that are pretty impressive. I think, actually, before I get into that, I want to ask you a question. This is a, a debate I had with someone recently, maybe not recently, maybe a year ago now, but I posed the question and I asked, is it easier to be an aggressive central defender when you play in a back three as opposed to a back two? What do you think? Yeah, I think when you're playing in a back three, you have more freedom to go out and, and mm -hmm. to come back because you have two players behind you every time. You know, like... yeah back four and you jump off then you have so many space to just be covered by one player and it's the center back because the, your fullback has to be aware of what is happening on the flanks because if you go out and the ball is played to the to the wings then and, and if the left back for an example you're a left center back and the left left back is going to cover you it's so many space that you're providing to the to the opposition and if you're playing in a back three, I mean, it, obviously it's not easy. I, I think centre-back is the most difficult position in football because mm -hmm. you have to read, the, you have to read the, the game so well, so well in this kind of decisions. And it's so quick. Everything that happens in front of you at the edge of the box and, or in a high block when you're going in, into transitions and all that, the, the things that happen there are so quick and you have to think the like you have to think as well so quick and quicker than attackers have to do so these kind of decisions to go out to stay you know they're so difficult but when you're playing the back three obviously you have more freedom and more balance behind you to go out yeah. and i think as well i mean the the way you defend in a back three is very different if you're playing in a two-man partnership and Spurs' yep. recent win over Man City was a prime example of that. You saw when, when City were building up from the back and Spurs were pressing high up the pitch in the final third. Eric Dyer, who played as the central centre-back for Spurs, would step forward and follow uh, one of the City players deep high up the pitch and he would leave the back line, basically forming a 4-1-4-1 as opposed yeah. to 5-4-1 because of him stepping out. And then the two lads at the back, the two remaining central, central defenders, close together. And... I think when you're playing in a back four, you need to be way more disciplined when you're getting dragged out yeah. of position because a lot of the time you see when a player plays as a central defender in a back four, if their man drops deep and expects them to follow, 
they'll tell the six or one of the pivot players to to mark them instead because they need to stay in the position because then obviously if you step out and you're in a back you're in a two man defensive partnership at the back and you step out you're leaving your guy exposed and then you can see the opposition can take advantage of that because they can just play a quick one two the winger makes a diagonal running behind into that space and you're dead and I think obviously that's the kind of the difference with playing in a back three is that you don't really need to he can like if you're playing on the left side of a tree you can afford to be dragged out of position a little bit and you'll still have the two other guys covering and your midfielders won't need to have as much responsibility than I feel. Um, so there are large benefits to that, of course. And just as yep. well, when, when playing in a back three, Incapier has won 63% of his tackles this season in the Bundesliga. One of them, and to, to add context to that, one of the reasons behind that is because he covers the wide area so much because the wingbacks push yeah, so high. Exactly. When the balls hit down the channels, then he needs to come across and defend those channels, the wider channels. Sometimes defenders are not very comfortable and confident defending in, but as we'll speak about now, he has a lot of experience playing as a left-back, which really helps him in those areas. Yeah. And this season, I believe in the last four matches for Bayer Leverkusen, he's played left-back twice and left-central defender twice. So there's a, a real yeah. diversity there in his game where Alonso can kind of get the best out of him. Do you think, how do you think as well, especially in possession maybe so, because I've covered the defensive side, in possession, how do you think playing as a left-back benefits him as a left-sided central defender when he has the ball? I think this kind of pressure moments when you're a left a fullback, you have really tight angles to bring a build-up and to bring a passing option. And obviously, to you're more marked than a centre-back does because almost every trigger in football is to go out and defend the, the wide spaces and to block mm. fullbacks and all that. So it, it's really difficult to be a fullback in these ages of football. And this school helps him in, in an attacking way, like to work under pressure and to work with tight angles, to just bring build up with his left foot, trying to make inside passes, diagonal passes, or even passes through his same channel, long balls and all that, or even low passes, but trying to be that really, really tight to find the wide players out there. So this kind of under pressure moments when you're a left back, it could really help him to play even as a center back in a four or a three, because sometimes you just have to create build-ups and you have to create football on your box because the other team forces you to that and you have to work under pressure. I, I think Incapier is really good under pressure, but if he develops this more and more, and even the the approach as a left-back to go forward in some moments and to understand like that timing of the runs of your teammate playing out wide, it's really good to him as well. Yeah, and I think, as we said, he's so comfortable on the ball that he can playing in that back three as well as the left back. You sometimes can play with a back four and have him as the left back. But then when you're in possession, the right back bombs on, he tucks inside. Yeah. You see that with Man City as well this season. Nate Nake, of course, who can play left back. He's played left back countless times for club and country. When City have the ball, they create that three, two structure, the right back, whether it be Rico Lewis or Kyle Walker, whoever tucks inside next to Rodri. Nate Nake just tucks in then as well. You create that three, two kind of very narrow 
build-up base. I do want to discuss his weaknesses now because, again, we always say as a as full disclosure on this podcast, we would be doing everyone a disservice if we didn't speak about weaknesses of a player. And every player has weaknesses from Messi down to players at grassroots level. They all have weaknesses. And Capier, of course, is 21 years old. He will be naive and rash and there are a lot of things to his game that he needs to improve on. Brian, talk to me then about those weaknesses. You kind of alluded to the, the his his ability in the air there just a few minutes ago. Talk to me more in depth about that. Yeah, and it's not that thing like he's not that tall and all that. Mm. Yeah, he's not that tall, but his jumps are really good, really big. He has the timing of and knows when to jump. And he, he he makes himself very tall against players that can win him a, a an aerial duel. But the way he approaches themselves constantly, playing as in a three, maybe like the way we, we were talking about, like he goes to these white spaces to defend. So when a opposition team makes a diagonal ball into the white spaces and he has to go there and cover the fullback sometimes he goes there and he even doesn't connect the ball because he that aggressivity just doesn't work in every action you have to defend and he goes and goes and goes and goes and sometimes you can get caught you've missed the, the header and you get caught on your back behind you and that's a problem because your fullback is so wide and so forward at Bayer Leverkusen that's because he has to go and cover these kind of situations. And it's an irregular thing. Even at the box, sometimes he can be irregular to head the ball out. And other things I really see is the way he approaches to block crosses and to block shots. I don't think he is that aggressive and that proactive mm-hmm. to go and open his body to full stretch and try to block uh, shots and all that he every time he wants to block he miss like for one or two seconds to arrive there and to block so the timing i think to run there and to block and the pace he uses to try and go there it's not the correct and not the exact one to to try and clear the ball out and to back up that point the stats show that he's blocked one shot this season in the Bundesliga, which is <laughs> ideal. And obviously, does it doesn't provide full context because Bayer Leverkusen will dominate possession most games, so they yeah. will have less shots taken against them. Obviously, but it's still they still have a high number of goals conceded, which kind of when you weigh up that as well, it shows that he again he's not always in the correct position to to block opportunities. Um, one thing I want to just kind of add to that in terms of how he aggressively attacks aerial duels anyway is that he can give away a lot of fouls I think from watching him because of his aggression and the way he contests aerial balls he's all I know this sounds kind of cliche but he's kind of all arms and elbows sometimes (laughs) like he he's very climby (laughs) climbing all over the, the man who he's trying to contest with and obviously the referee can sometimes interpret that as a foul, which which it, it certainly can be, and he's given away quite a lot of fouls this season. As well, I noticed that when he does contest aerial duels, he only 
wins them when he is being really aggressive because he needs that again. He's, he's, he's I think he's six one. He's six one, which isn't that. Yeah, the smallest for a defender. Anyway, it's definitely not. I mean, like it, it's still a, a, a decent height for a centre half. But sometimes when he doesn't get close to the up to the, to the opponent and he doesn't get all over them, they can get a jump on him. And I mean, the, the best example was uh, Senegal in the World Cup. Every time there was a set piece, I believe he was marking yeah. Koulibaly at corners and set pieces. Koulibaly yeah, yeah. was is brilliant at scoring from set pieces, and he's very adept at getting free from his man and when he did and Incapier wasn't anywhere near him he could not he's not good at winning aerial duels when getting a run on a player so if he's backing off someone and he goes to get a run on them to head it away he's not great at winning that ball he'll always usually lose that header if of course the player that he's contesting with is much taller than him or much better in the air as we saw with Koulibaly for Senegal at the World Cup. Another thing I just want to talk about with his weaknesses is that sometimes I feel he makes a lot of runs out from the back, which is a really good trait, I think, for a central defender because that pins the opposition back. So if you have the ball and you see space, and this is something that Harry Maguire, for all his faults, is really, really good at, he makes those runs into the space and then that pins the opposition's opposition back even further and it pins him into a deeper block which is kind of where you want them to be sometimes he does that and maybe feels he can kind of go like one step forward or any starts taking players on I think his dribbles this season completed are about just they're under 50% and so like when he makes those runs and he tries to take a player on he's losing half of those battles basically and then of course as we all know, if, you, if you're a central defender and you make that run, you lose the ball, there's space there to be played into for the opposition. And I think sometimes he just needs to use his head a little more and stop playing so off the cuff almost. You know, he sometimes needs to think, if I make this run here and I lose the ball, are we be, are we going to be exposed? Yes, I'll play safe and I'll square it as well. And it's something I, I, I know you'll touch on now. You spoke about how good his passing is. I feel I feel sometimes he 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 forces progressive passes to break the yep. lines when he doesn't need to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you get the fair assessment? Yeah, I, I I think that and and that was that was what I was saying at the I don't know introduction of the of the podcast because he's so progressive and he just wants to be progressive, mm-hmm. you know, and in football and more in a positional side like Xabi Alonso, you don't have to be progressive in every ball yeah. you touch, you know? You sometimes, have to, sometimes it's okay to just to pass, to make a square yeah. pass or circulate the ball around. Yeah. You have to make the side-to-side ball movements to try and, blo- and move the rival block because you're playing against a deep block that obviously wants to attract you to make this progressive pass and one of the midfielders jump into that ball, cut the pass, and then make a transition. You know, so you just have to be aware these situations happen. And yeah. if he's if he managed to be tactically intelligent in this way, because he's tactically very good, but in this way, like to not be that progressive, you don't have to go forward every every time you touch the ball. Mm-hmm. So if he integrates this well in his possession uh, aspect, he could be it could be really really good. And I mean, 
his attributes have just called interest from big clubs at Europe and even with his weaknesses. But what about if he develops them? Because I really think he's a smart player to develop his mistakes and weakness. Yeah, I actually just, when you were saying that, I quickly looked at the time. I actually can't believe how quickly this uh, episode has gone. It, it feels like we just started, but we are literally reaching a half an hour. So the last thing I want to discuss, as we always do, is potential future clubs for him. I think, he. I mean, like, look, he could stay up by Leverkusen for a long, long time. I'm not saying that it's not within the realms of possibility. Of course it is, but I, I do like to ponder the question about clubs that he can also move to and as I said in the introduction I said as well throughout this podcast Tottenham Hotspur were interested in in Capier in the summer I believe it was or, or or it might have been January maybe time has escaped me because football happens so quickly now that I actually can't piece time together I think it actually may have been January after his World Cup performances which makes more sense than the summer but I can see him fitting well into that back three that Conte players. I mean, you saw like ben yeah. Dave, the way Ben Davies played it last season under Conte. He can definitely yeah. play that role and better. But what other clubs do you think that Incapier could suit for the future if players want a comfortable ball-playing central defender who's yeah. very aggressive and has all these wonderful attributes? I really think he he will fit into the Premier League. Mm-hmm. He, he's a player who I think he will fit. Even at Chelsea, we're looking at him before Badia Shields. So we, he yes. was... Uh, one of the options for that left center back spot. The other time we were talking about Colwell, and I said Liverpool have been playing for years without a left center back. And what about Incapier playing at Liverpool? They're so aggressive, they are so progressive, direct, and they could fit massively. He could fit very good in there. And thinking. Well, obviously Manchester City have 1,000 left centre-backs, but if they want to like make a revolution there and change some things, he could be a fit because mm-hmm. he's a player that in possession is so good and so comfortable and he's so aggressive to play in a high block. And At, at the World Cup in Ecuador, they play very constantly on a high block and he was so comfortable like clearing this Long balls, trying to be uh, transitions and all that. So I really liked him in that posture. But thinking outside, like the the Premier League, and, and I agree with you with Tottenham and all that. Uh, La Liga could be a really good. Yeah, uh, I agree. Bit for him, even at top clubs like Atletico Madrid or Barcelona, he could be a really. But even at other clubs like I don't know Sevilla. We're living a tough time right now, but I could re- I could really see him at Atletico Madrid. I really can. I guess. Yeah, I really, I see, really him see him playing in the back. Well, a kind of newfound back three that Simeone has. Yeah, uses with I, I Los Colchoneros. Definitely see him there, and even at Serie, maybe with. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen with Juventus or Milan. <laughs> really, but Milan with this critical situation with Pioli yeah. and uh, all this kind of thing, and uh, Juventus with this economical situation and all that but he could really fit there I, I mean he's a player who could fit in various league because he's so talented and has the potential to be a really top centre-back in the world of football obviously so even if we have to see 
what happens with Xabi Alonso at Leverkusen because obviously his projects and his ideas mm -hmm. are really good. So we have to see what Alonso transforms Leverkusen into and even he could stay there if, if, if they're ready to fight and all that. If he really pushes this project forward. The last point I'll make before I before we end this podcast is you touched on the importance almost of left-footed centre-backs and I think left-footed centre-backs have almost become a dime a dozen in football these days and as you said, the yeah. Liverpool, Liverpool don't have one and it's you see even last season at Man United they'd play Maguire and Lindelof, both right-footed central defenders and they would almost rotate between Maguire playing left and then Lindelof playing left and then they this season Ten Hag came in and he said, well, I want a left-footed central defender. I want Lissandro Martinez. He's a guy who's excellent on the ball. And there was questions about, nonsensical questions about his height. But he came in and it's just a stark difference in, in not only quality, but the fact that when you're building out from the back, yeah, it's, it's, it's so, so important that you have a left-footed defender there that can open his body out comfortably and play down the line or play inside into the half space or play a kind of inside ball into the number six rather than having... For instance, a Harry Maguire there who, when he receives, will receive on his right foot and he'll have a closed body shape and he'll have to kind of come inside. And I think having that yeah. left foot defender, and Incapier is, is, is a wonderful example of that. And I think any club will be genuinely um, delighted to have a player like that in their side, especially if that's something they are lacking. We'll wrap it up now, though. Brian, thank you so much for joining me today. I really enjoyed this chat and I genuinely can't believe how, how, how quickly the episode went in. To all the listeners at home, I hope you enjoyed as well. And make sure to tune in on Friday for another regular episode of the TFA podcast for you all to enjoy. Also, make sure to rate the podcast too and share it with your followers, friends and family as it really helps us to grow. Thank you all for listening and goodbye for now.